0: no i'm not doing this you would shit yourself if i started rapping just hop in right now
1: anytime no (laughs) i'm not sure if you're just embarrassed to acknowledge the inner rap i have yeah the inner Uh, uh, Slim Shady Oh yeah yeah, I'm totally Slim Shady Every time (laughs) Croiler comes over And we're sitting here talking Before I turn the mics on He is spitting rhymes Constantly
0: I am And then as soon as I hit record He just clams up you know, I, it's the nerves, man. Like, I can't I can't do it live. I can't do it, like, even if it's not live, it's being recorded. I can't do it then, you know? I just, if you could have an ounce
1: of the confidence you have freestyling as you do with your jujitsu, we would maybe be able to make money purely off your rap knowledge or have a rapping podcast, not some stupid like
0: jujitsu jitsu podcast. Eminem's Second Coming or whatever the top rap Irish is right now. Well,
1: whoever it is. Okay. I mean, all right, all yeah. Right. But uh, we'll say that for another time. We should change my description on the website. We'll change that. <laughs> and next time, I'm going to have when we record a lot more alcohol that you have to consume before we get on the mic. All right, we'll do it. At least, at least to handle. <laughs> All right, well, today we're here to discuss joint locks with jujitsu. Most people think of submissions. Mm-hmm. They think of, for me, if I break it down, I go, you have your j- chokes mm-hmm. and you have your joint locks. The joint locks are just all encompass- encompassing with the body where, what, we can do wrist locks Elbows, shoulders, um, ankles, knees. Am I missing anything else? Yeah, I
0: mean, you can go just about anything. You can do neck locks. You can do spinal locks. Hip locks. I mean, you can you can just go from head to toe. If there's a joint, we can break it. There, you just yeah, gotta get creative with it.
1: Yeah, and I think what's fun for me with joint locks is there's a certain amount of like physics or mathematics that you'd have to understand with some of them about right. like angles, leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying you're sitting down writing formulas out. Uh, we haven't had that type of homework no, in class yet. But <laughs> Yet. <laughs> yet. But with one of the times I recognized it is when we were do, going through arm bars. Mm-hmm. Now, the obvious one would be you have like a fulcrum, a lever, but also – Playing with angles, I realized with the armbar as I was falling down, fighting for an armbar against a big, heavy, strong opponent. I'm pulling back and trying to break that grip they have to the point where like my lower back is hurting. And I remember you coming up and going, "You're fight like hey, you're fighting this all wrong. Just just start falling to the side, like up towards their shoulder, right. towards the head. Just try that. Just start to fall up and." slowly pull in that direction. And as
0: soon as I did that, it was very easy. It became so much easier. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you're right that as far as submissions go in Jiu Jitsu, you know, there's a, the two main branches, right? The chokes and the, and the joint locks, the, the breaking side of things. Um, but, you know, until you give it a deeper look at everything, you, know, you can just say, "Oh, there's only two kinds. It's a choke or it's a joint or it's a joint lock, right?" But when you when you go deeper, you see, you know, that there's different kinds of joint locks where we're manipulating angles, maybe to create a fulcrum, to create a lever, um, rotational locks. We also have compression locks. You know, so there's a, there's a variety of them, and we we'll get into them as as the show goes on. But um, yeah, you are right that there is a lot more math involved so to speak physics involved so to speak in a um joint lock and there isn't a choke you know uh there's only a few mechanics to choking somebody it's just different ways of achieving them mm-hmm. where in a in a joint you know how how is the joint built how is it put together you know that determines how you break it you know how you break an elbow is not the same way on how you'd break a shoulder because the joint shape is different you know and mm-hmm. um yeah so it's 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 interesting you know we can i think you started at the right place like arm bars right um probably de- not probably
1: definitely the most iconic famous uh, yeah. iconic of all the submissions and if you if you pull a person off the street and say, "Hey, jujitsu," or "Hey, submitting someone," what does that mean to you? And they go, oh, I "Like the armbar thing." Most people right. would probably think of either a Ronda Rousey right, armbar, right, 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 or like a Hoist Gracie using a. How did how did he finish? How did he win
0: his fights in the first UFC? Do you remember? Uh, I... He did. He had um, a couple armbars. He had a couple of triangles. Um, he had an Ezekiel at one point. Okay. Um, yeah. No, uh, you know, the, the, the traditional arm bar, you know, where you're lying flat on your back and stuff, it's in, I think, I believe in judo it's called jujigatami. Um, and I think it means like straight arm bar or lying flat on your back, straight arm bar or something like that. The, the Japanese are far more descriptive than Brazilians are, you know, and, uh, Americans fall somewhere in between. <laughs> um, but the, you know, the arm bar is the, the perfect example of the simplest, Method of breaking a joint, right you take an elbow, it only bends one way right it doesn't the elbow doesn 't actually rotate when you move your arm, and your rotation from the elbow is actually coming from the shoulder um, so um, to break the elbow because it 's such a simple joint, you require simple mechanics you you know you pin the head down, pin the upper body down. Um, so the shoulder, so to speak, you pin the wrist down and then you push in the middle. <laughs> you know, it's a, just a fulcrum lever mechanic, super simple, super straightforward. It's the same mechanic used for knee bar, which is another very simple joint, so to speak, right? Um, what we get to, um, because there are differences between knee bar and and, and an arm bar, meaning the, joint are, the joints are slightly different, but you can still break the knee the, just the same. Mm-hmm. Um, what what gets fun is when you're starting to get into more complex style locks. So, let's say like um, like a wrist lock, right? So your wrist is far more mobile than your elbow, so to speak. You know, it can move in, in many more different angles. Um, there's more ways to break the wrist. You know, so you can get into like compression locks. So where you fold the joint more past past its um, range of motion, and that's where you can have like a breaking happen. You know, um, you can also have a rotational. Um,
1: so a compression lock would be in, let's say, the context of a wrist lock. If would that be if you had someone's fingertips pointing down, right? Almost like you're trying to push them. To touch yeah. some, their, people, some
0: people call it uh, like goose neck style oh. wrist locks yeah where you basically push the knuckles to the forearm okay right it's not necessarily outside of its range of motion but by compressing so much so the joint breaks right and and let me take a quick step back before we go further um, when we talk about joints breaking that's a really bad description mm. so we're very rarely do we break the joint right Um Generally sp- speaking, it's the soft tissue around the joint that would break—ligaments, tendons, muscle. Um, sometimes dislocation can happen, where you know a bone will slip out of the joint, or the joint itself will separate. Um, but to break the joint, so to speak, would imply that you're somehow breaking the parts, right? Like, um, like the bones involve—you know—they're a part of the joint. And uh, contrary to popular martial arts culture breaking somebody's bone is very tough to do you know it happens you've been on instagram dude i you know (laughs) um i will say one of the one of the best things that ever came out of listening to the joe rogan podcast was the mac dojo life instagram account that they look from time to time if nobody's seen that you guys should check that out (laughs) mac dojo i don't know if i've seen that one at or mcdojo however you say it Uh um it's it's nothing but like somebody who's bored at home goes through all these martial arts videos and makes clips of them and puts them on there.
1: Like bad martial arts. Oh yeah. Just uh, horrible, you know. I, I follow yeah. on dumbass martial arts. Kind of like that. Yeah, sim- just like similar that? to that. Okay. Yeah.
0: You know, where like there's like the touch of death or whatever. But anyways, um, yeah, breaking the bone is very, very tough. So your 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 bone is denser than concrete. Um, can it break yeah i mean you see it all the time in sports you see it little kids breaking it Um, but it's not easy to do that you know usually in sports it involves a lot of force a lot of power you know in, in football the most common injury is collarbones being broken so you know you, you think those guys are gigantic, so the amount of force the football players can generate and they have to hit perfect to cause like a collarbone to break, you know? Um, you look at a boxer, right? How many times, yeah, you do hear of people breaking like their orbital bone or on their eye, you know, or, or breaking their nose or breaking their jaw. It does happen but it's not easy because if it was, you'd see people with broken jaws and broken orbital bones every fight, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so with with joint locks, we're, we're, we're more likely than not, in most cases, breaking the soft tissue. Okay, that's a, it's a good thing to distinguish. I, I wouldn't have thought about that. So, you just have the weakest point. Yeah, whatever's weakest first will give. Right? Okay. So, I mean, look, even in an arm bar, right? Um, one of the armbars is a very sh- basic straight armbar that we started talking about with um, the Um Tim Sylvia and, is it Bigfoot? From and somebody where he broke broke the form I've seen that. I can't remember. Yeah, against, where like yeah. where his like his forearm, his the bones in his forearm broke. You see like
1: a click, and then he right. was they weren't. You aren't even necessarily sure that it broke. And I think he might have even fought, saying, "No, I'm fine. I'm fine." Right. And then you can see later. Right. They,
0: so that is like the extreme, rare, like exception. That's to what us. happens when you have two hundred and eighty pound guys applying and technique not perfectly mm-hmm. yeah you know i mean like and there's a lot of force there but as regular humans aren't going to be able to do that right i mean right. so a perfect arm bar will break the ligaments and lig- and tendons and muscles around the joint um that's usually what you feel first <clears throat> so like if you've ever been arm barred really hard <clears throat> excuse me and stop smoking so much Smoking? Yeah. I don't smoke.
1: You smell like a pack a
0: day, don't lie. (laughs) No. You just rap and smoke all day. I rap rap and I smoke. All right. (laughs) Not true. So generally speaking, if you've ever been armbarred, so- Never. No one's ever ever been able to. (laughs) Now I'm coughing. Yeah sorry. Anyways, and and if your arm hurts afterwards, it's usually the muscles that have gotten stretched or the ligaments have been really stretched and maybe pushed to an extreme. <clears throat> Man, that there we go. We're back. You got that tar out. <laughs> <laughs> My goal is
1: like a year from now for people to have this idea mm. of you <clears throat> as just a rapping, mm. smoking, like bar fighting. Um Thug. What did we say last time? I think ballroom dancing. Hmm. Yeah. Just,
0: wow. Just just I want people to be confused. <clears throat> I'm confused. Good. And it's only been a few episodes. Yeah, that's it. This yeah, is the wow. second episode. Successful. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so we have our we have our we we distinguish what is happening right.
0: in a joint lock. So Like I said, most time when it hurts, it's just your muscles or ligaments being hyperextended. You know, sometimes a bursa will break, um, you know, which is a fluid filled sac. Um, What about with a calf slicer? Right. So those are different. So um, a calf slicer works much in a way that like a compression lock would where we are not hyperextending a joint, we're hyperflexing a joint, right? Um, so in the wrist lock is easy, the joint's so small, you just push the hand to the forearm, you get yourself a lock. But the knee in a calf slicer is a much bigger, much more powerful joint, even though it has some similar mechanics, um, most calf slicers aren't actually targeting the calf. Okay, they're, they're targeting the knee. Um, so the the best way that i picture in my head the mechanics of what it would do to a joint um, think of it like if you open your door and you put let's say like a two by four on the hinge Mm. and you slam the door shut right so if you apply enough force to slam the door shut something will give on the hinge side because that becomes the weaker point so it's not going to be a two by four either the hinge itself will break, will separate, mm-hmm. cause like a, like a knee separation type of a scenario, or you're gonna break the hinge off of the door frame or off of the door. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can see, like when you do like a calf slicer, you can see ligaments being torn from one end to the other, tendons being torn from one end to the other, or the joint itself, like I said, separating. Um, and, and the, the name like calf slicer right, comes because it, it's very painful on your calf. It feels like your calf's about to explode. Right, and, and, and applied incorrectly, you could like charlie horse somebody to death. <laughs> but um, generally speaking, you're rupturing the muscles which hold the joint together. You're separating the joint and if the ligaments and tendons give, they, you know, then you have injury there as well. Okay. Um, but it's different than let's say like an arm bar you know, we're, we're hyperextending, we're pushing past its working range with a calf slicer, we're pushing into its working range, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're just putting a, a block in the way and all of a sudden they can't take that extra, you know, extra range there.
1: So we have hyperextension, we
0: have the, uh, did like you say compressing? Compression, yeah, compression. Like
1: compression. Is there a, a twisting or another type yeah. of Yeah, so like, like,
0: like rotating locks, you know, um, Like what would a Americana? Uh, So Americana would be like a rotating lock, right? So um, heel hook, Americana, Kimura, those are rotating locks where you're not causing a hyperextension or a compression. You're simply twisting the joint um, past its range. So if you think of the shoulder, it's a ball ball joint um, style joint. So you can rotate your arms completely around. So all we're doing is we're creating an angle in which the joint locks, usually a 90 degree angle for the shoulder, right? So you think of Kimura Americana, you achieve a 90 degree angle, the joint stiffens up because of how the muscles and ligaments and everything attaches. And then we push it past its range of motion. So if you think about it, um, if you're standing straight up, and you just pull your arms complete back, right? And they can they can rotate 180, 360 degrees very easily. The moment that you pull your elbow up to your shoulder and your hand out, so you have a 90 degree angle, you don't have the range of, range of motion anymore. You're stuck to 180. Okay. Yep, I just tried it folks, <laughs> it checks out. Well, good, I'm, I'm glad that that checks out. So so basically there, by achieving the 90 degree angle with the elbow level with the shoulder, the joint can't move or not as well. Um, so then, if we push past that, now we're rotating past its working range and then we can cause a break to happen. Um, Usually in rotating locks, the damage is more ligaments and tendon related than it is like a dislocation or a separation, so to speak. Like if you think of calf slice like a compression, that's generally the most amount of damage comes from the separation of the joint. Okay. Or in an arm bar, you're, you're pushing the bones past its working range in a hyperextension and then you can have a separation there as well where in a rotation you don't necessarily create a separation you simply break the ligaments that hold it into place okay generally speaking okay but there's always exceptions
1: <laughs> okay now i'm thinking if i'm thinking of everything in a hinge uh-huh. uh, analogy right that's the have, best way to go yes it is we have this which would be our compression. I'm doing hand motions, so since you guys can't you guys can't see it, so just fucking bear with us for a second. Um, you'd have the hyperextension, you have the twist. Right. Anything else? What about like a
0: like a I don't know what this would be considered like. <laughs> He's rubbing his knuckles together. I don't know what that means either, guys. No, so so using the hinge example, that's a that's a great way of putting it, right? Uh-huh. So let's say you have a, a door frame. Okay. Okay, and there's no walls around the door frame, and you have a door and a hinge okay so if you open a door it goes to 90 degrees fairly easy some doors will go to 180 right but let's say they go to 90 so you open the door you close the door it's nice and easy a hyper extension would mean you go to 90 and then push on to 180 or 270 and the, the hinge would eventually break right the compression would be you open to 90 you put a two by four in the in the hinge and you slam it shut right so you closing the, the working range. Mm-hmm. And in a rotation, you would hold both ends of the door and then twist. Hulk. Yes. twist that thing Correct. right off the frame. Yeah, yeah. right. So um, those are the ultimately the three styles of, of breaking a joint. Um, however, the joint locks are far more complex in that, in that generally speaking, the body will try its best to survive. So um, in an example, like a heel hook, right? A heel hook is a twisting joint Right. And you're hooking the ankle and you're twisting the ankle, right. Or you're, you're hyperextending into the ankle, so to speak. And some people are like, man, I feel it on my heel. Other people say, I feel it on my knee. And, um, or sometimes you Americana, somebody, right. It's a shoulder, it's a clear shoulder lock, but some people complain about their elbow, right. And that's because whatever is weakest in that isolated, you know, body part that's being attacked will give first. So um, Noguera, uh Minotaro Noguera versus Frank Mir, mm-hmm. right? Um, have you seen that one where he kimuras him and the elbow breaks? Yes. Yeah, so like clearly um, uh, Minotaro's shoulder was very flexible or, or at least more flexible in relation to his elbow and the elbow gave, right? Again, freak scenario, that's not the target joint, but because it was weaker, it gave first right Um, and that can happen with just about anything heel hooks you can have some people that break the knee other people break the ankle but it's the same application it's just one gives a little bit sooner than the other sure Um, and and like I said and and as you as you attack different locks that'll happen Um, but you can use the principle to attack as well and that's where it gets cool Um, I, I had this guy this guy trained with us years and years ago probably one of the most flexible people I've ever met his name I think his name was Zach Hamenga. Um, don't quote me on that. Um, Haminga, if you're listening, shout out to you. <laughs> um, uh, but anyways, Zach was disturbingly flexible. And this is coming from a guy that's flexible. He was pretty much double-jointed. Had to tell it was gross, like Ooh. just gross. And you could armbar bar him and his arm would be bending and nothing would give. So if jujitsu didn't work out for him, he could always be a circus Yeah, Yeah. so the, (laughs) yes. So he, um, you know, for a long time, he frustrated me. I was a blue belt at the time he was training and it frustrated me rolling with him because I would get these great arm bars, these clean arm bars, these clean normal platas and like nothing. Like he wouldn't be able to move, but just not enough to tap Mm -hmm. until I figured out that if I tighten a joint before the target joint, So let's say I'm attacking his elbow, right? If I wrist lock him, the wrist lock doesn't work, but that pulls the tendons tighter, right? And now all of a sudden he wasn't as flexible at the elbow. Or if I was attacking, let's say um, a shoulder if I could make his elbow lock up, then he didn't have as much give. Um, when you say elbow lock up or wrist lock up, is that in a, like, what posi- so position? So, like, go back to the simple example of the armbar, right? Mm-hmm. So, if I'm armbarring him from top mount and I get I, I more on my back and I'm arching my back and his elbow is fully bent, like past 180 degrees, and it's nothing, it's not being broken, I would sit back up and I would wrist lock him and his hand would touch his forearm and he would look at me like I'm a weirdo. But then when I came back down, while holding the wrist lock, his elbow would lock up in place and he would tap to the elbow lock, the oh, armbar. That was, yeah. that was smart of you, so. It was accidental. I didn't plan this. <laughs> I'm smart, I'm not that smart. So he couldn't be double jointed. He could only have one joint being hyperextended at a time as long as they're adjacent to it, right? Okay. So, and, and I believe that's because of the muscle ability to stretch and the ligaments that are connected, you know, um, they're only be able to stretch so much. So by stretching both ends, so to speak, he, he lost some of the mobility. Um, but yeah, it was just very, very interesting.
1: Well, if he's listening, one, he got a shout-out, and two, he's probably a little mad because you just gave his opponents and people who roll with him what? the secret to defeating <laughs> so, him. So, you
0: see, he actually fought, like, he trained with us, and he, like, fought MMA, and he won. He like, two fights, and he, like, won easily. And... um like I said, he was competing. He was—he was a great training partner. Super nice guy, friendly. And then, like the dude, like dropped off the face of the earth for six months. And then he shows up at the school six months later, and he's got this gigantic knee brace, right? It's coming from a guy who, like, I could never like knee bar him. Like the dude was super flexible. And I'm like, hey man, what happened? Did you get into a fight? You know, somebody like get in you know, a leg lock. You didn't tap. He said he and I quote, I, "My friends dared me to wrestle a pig." And the pig barreled into my knee and it broke. <laughs> so, <laughs> Literally, what happened?
1: <laughs> well, humans couldn't defeat him. Pigs, but, though. But pigs could. Yeah,
0: bacon. Bacon beat him.
1: Bacon. Wow. Okay, so, all right, everyone listening, secret to beating him. Um, you have to hyperextend an adjacent joint to the joint you're attacking or just find a pig. Yeah. A pig in an enclosed space. Yeah, and you should
0: dare him to wrestle the pig. Huh.
1: I might just try doing that with guys I can't beat at the gym. Just I'll walk in, <laughs> shut the doors, lock them, and you go, All right, McDonald, and like a farmer will come out and pig comes out and <laughs> Mac- does what Donald. I can do. Yeah. Ugh.
0: Yeah, no. So you know, but th- there's benefit to that because then you, you learn to You know, you learn to isolate the joint. You also learn to tighten the joint, you know, and that's something that I picked up from him. It was very valuable because I have met other guys throughout my my career where they're flexible. But the moment that you started locking things up and isolating those joints, they are not not as flexible right. you know and you look at like um, our leg locks like how we do leg locks right we 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 tighten the hip, we tighten the knee, we isolate the ankle that way we can attack the ankle freely, whether it's a regular ankle lock or a heel hook or whatever mm-hmm.
1: now joint locks by no means are um, property of jujitsu. those have been around mm-hmm. for so long right. uh, when your grandpa and great uncle were developing this. What were joint locks that were used often? I know Kimura became popular after your grandpa was right. defeated by Kimura. Right. Um, what stuff was popular early in jujitsu? And then we'll start to work our way
0: towards now and see trends. So joint locks came about, if we're going to go back far enough, came about um, fighting armored opponents, right? So their joints would be there. Cause if you don't have a joint in your armor, you can't move. And those, the, the more prevalent submissions then, the, the joint submissions then um, were roughly the same that my grandfather and Carlos encountered. You know, the straight arm bars, the the twisting shoulder locks, like Americanas or Kimuras. Um, in Judo, I believe Americana is called uh, Udegarame, and then um, Usually, get being the straight arm bar. And then we have, you know, the straight ankle locks were were common. Um, even the straight knee bars were common. Basically, they're very rudimentary. You know, straight elbows, straight knees, um, straight ankles, and then we looked at bending shoulder locks. And that was about it. Not to say that there weren't quirky ones, um, but but generally speaking, those are the ones that were more readily encountered. And the the oddball, the one lock. I find it fascinating. Is um, the omoplata? I have no idea how it came about. I've I've tried researching it, haven't found a credible source that about the creation of the omoplata.
1: When is the first time that you are aware that it was performed? Where, where did like we first see the
0: omoplata? You know, you I I don't somewhere in Brazil. And are only no reason- oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> in, I mean, no, I mean, like you look at armbar, like the Japanese were doing them for years, right? right? So I don't know that necessarily means that it was created in Brazil, but the earliest account I can think of is in Brazil because omoplata is the old, trad- old Brazilian Portuguese traditional word for scapula, for your shoulder blade. So... Um, that's what i can think of i don't know a japanese name for one plot i haven't seen it in other arts but like i said i haven't found a credible source you know nowadays somebody can say oh yeah you know judo did this or sambo did that or jiu jitsu did this and, and I, I wouldn't know um, but i always picture in my mind you know two guys grappling really hard and somebody's legs getting tangled up with somebody's arms one guy trying to just get up to his feet and then somebody screaming cuz something broke And then they're like, don't move. Wait, let's work backwards for me. Right, let's see what happened here. Yeah. And a guy just in pain. You know, that's the only thing I can think of how that came about. With Plata, do you remember... Like first generation guys, were they going mm-hmm. for Oma uh, like first generation in Brazil? Mm-hmm. Um, no well, no. So what was common so you gotta keep in mind that the the big change right from Japanese Jiu Jitsu judo to Brazilian jiu jitsu was the work of the guard, right? So in, in Japanese Jiu Jitsu, arm bars and the in the mount were very easy. And in judo arm bars and guard exist, but they weren't as dominant. Because most judo throws, you land outside of guard, so the the opponent never gets to try that, right? So um, there is a, a sideways armbar that's kind of become iconic of Carlos Gracie, where he would. I've seen pic- a picture of that. Yeah, he's like on his side, right? Yes. Yeah, so he he would throw for the armbar, but instead of like pushing the opponent back, he would actually lay down on his side and pull against his inner thigh. Um, and, and, you know, that became iconic of Carlos. My grandfather eventually did it. And then, you know, if you look at different pictures of Gracie's throughout the time, um, they all have done it at some point. And the armbar itself is not like the greatest armbar, but it leads to an all plata. So I think that had something to do with it. Now, when it became an official submission off of it, I don't know. Um, so no, I don't think that the first generations of graces were doing on platas. Not that they didn't know. Hmm. I just don't think it was their, their. Um, even the first wave of Jiu-Jitsu guys, I don't think that was their thing. Yeah. The the first time I remember seeing on platas becoming very dominant were in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, um, especially around ninety four, ninety five, um, with guys like Nino Shambri and Margarita and others that were, you know, doing the the at the time fancier Jiu-Jitsu. So
1: okay, and if we're talking about development of joint locks and things becoming popular, we'd be crazy not to mention that in the last five, six, seven years, more than that, leg locks have blown right. up, which were yeah. were not <laughs> used much at all right. in many circles, circa or before
0: what? Like when? When did they blow up? I don't like know. Five enough years to, ago. Yeah. So the thing with leg locks, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to, some, a lot of people are going to hate me now. So, (laughs) Yeah. so, okay. So generally speaking trends, right? So if I, if I'm fighting you and I choke you and it fails, generally speaking, not always, generally speaking, my position is not compromised. If I choke you from out, if I choke you from the back, if I choke you from guard, should it fail? Generally speaking, I'm still in the same spot joint locks not so much you are in somebody from top mount if it fails they're now on top right if you're on somebody from guard it fails they're now in side mount right mm-hmm. so um, so there's always been positionally speaking there's always been a favoritism to chokes because it generally speaking does not compromise your position um however Not all joint locks are like that. Like I said, if you armbar somebody from top mount and it fails and they go to your guard, who cares, right? You're still in guard, you can still attack. Mm -hmm. Leg locks, however, for a long time, even to this day, attacking a leg lock puts you in the bottom position. Okay. You're always going to be at the bottom when you leg lock somebody, there are going to be a, a few rare instances where you're on top and you're leg locking, but generally speaking to finish a leg lock, you're usually going to be on your back or on your side, um, touching the floor. And there's nothing wrong with that in a safe environment, but you got to keep in mind that, you know, Carlos and Elio Gracie, you know, they were looking for jiu as a form of self-defense. So if I'm fighting you and I'm in a good position, let's say I'm on top, right? Where maybe I could hit you, I could choke you, I could attack your arms and and remain in a dominant position. Should everything go wrong, it did not make sense to attack the legs. Because attacking the legs would almost guarantee me on the bottom. Now, granted, if they work, then who cares? Mm -hmm. But should they fail? the outcome of that failure was far worse than a failed outcome of a, a rear naked choke so to speak so my my grandfather did not emphasize leg locks because of that because he didn't believe that we should put such an emphasis on leg locks because if they failed the 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 detrimental loss of that failure was so much bigger there than somewhere else and then you know, there's, you know, Osvaldo Fader, who um, also learned Jiu Jitsu. Uh, I forget who he learned it from. It wasn't from my grandfather and it wasn't from um, Count Coma. Somebody else, I, I don't recall. I'll have to go back and look. But Osvaldo Fade, um he taught Jiu Jitsu to the poor. Um, I believe it was Osvaldo Fada. He taught, he taught it to the poor. Um, and essentially, he would just teach it in the park. Like, hey, if you want to train Jiu Jitsu, just meet me at this park and I'll teach you. He Emphasized leg locks quite a bit, um, a lot. And there was a challenged, um, he, he eventually challenged my my grandfather. And, um, you know, they're both older. And they basically, the way that they resolved their their confrontation was, uh, you know, father picked his like 10, 15, 20 guys, however, whatever the number was, to fight the top 10, 15, 20 guys my grandfather had. Mm-hmm. And uh, to my understanding, uh, the the first time that they quote unquote fought. This was a match, no strikes, not to the death. This was strictly just grappling. Uh, uh, to my understanding, the first meeting was uh, Valdo Fada's students uh, came out as like thirteen seven or fourteen six mm. out of twenty, or it was like an odd breakup, but clearly showing the the effectivity of leg locks. And, uh, and- Did they all win
1: via leg lock? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes, the, the winners were winning by, by leg lock, right? Um, I don't remember who participated. I don't remember who won, which particular leg locks were applied, but um, yeah, I wasn't born. This is all from, from right. talking to other people, but um, they, they basically, my grandfather asked for a rematch and I don't know how much time later, six months, a year, two years, I, I don't know. But uh, on the rematch, it was like a 19-1 for my grandfather side basically they you know his students got caught unaware mm. they, they had no idea and because they weren't being practiced at my grandfather's school so my grandfather then emphasized the defending of the legs and stuff just to beat fada it wasn't like my grandfather still was not a big fan of leg locks but my grandfather did heel hooks there's footage of him doing heel hooks and ankle locks and stuff back in you know the late 80s early 90s so um Yeah, so he, you know, they beat five of the students, and it was kind of like a, all right, you won one, I won one. They became friends, and it was like not a big deal. Not that the rivalry was ever like serious. It was more like a, let's just kind of. Just a healthy, competitive rivalry. Right, right, right. And um, very few deaths. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, five, 10, 15. That's nothing. Yeah, the guys that lost were no longer heard of. No, I'm just kidding. And they were the (laughs) worst ones. Right, right. So, um, so that coined the term sapateiro, right? And um, basically, it, the the connotation that came with being a leg locker, sapateiro, means like a leg locker, like a shoemaker, is what it, what it means in Portuguese. <laughs> um, became linked to the the poor people, the inner city people, which were the people that Father taught. Right? He taught for free. He didn't charge anybody ever, and. Um, he, that connotation became that if you had to leg lock somebody, you you were poor and you were cheap. Cheap meaning I could not pass your guard, I could not get to a dominant position, I could not, assert, you know, impose my will onto you. I could not dominate you. I threw hail mary and you got caught unaware. Mm, <laughs> that was yeah. the implication for a long time. So for a long time, leg locks were not you know, they were not practiced because of that. Because let's say you're passing my guard and you can't find a way around. And you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna try a leg lock, which is what Don her essentially did. Like, fuck it, let's try a leg lock, right? Um, unless you did that. And if you did that, whether you're successful or not, people are gonna shame you because you're that guy who's trying to cheap attack, mm-hmm. you know. And and that led to basically this culture being created of you know anybody that leg locks is cheap, it's dirty, they're poor, they're uneducated, they don't know what they're doing, you know. It's the hail mary, the dirty hail mary of everything. Um, the same thing happened with wrist locks wrist locks were like the dirty cousin of the dirty leg locker <laughs> so uh, there is a guy in the 80's his name is Fred Sompichon, Um and he, he was the, the greatest like, leg locker of the 80's no leg locker, the greatest wrist locker of the 80's, uh, 80's, early 90's uh, he has like the most broken wrists on footage out of anybody <laughs> like if you look at fo- footage of him any of his matches, he, just, he was just breaking people's shit
1: <laughs> just a highlight reel of guys like oh, huddled yeah. over, holding their,
0: their hands Oh, he got infamous. People wouldn't compete with him. People wouldn't train with him. People wouldn't go to his school. He would not be invited to other training sessions. He was that guy because, you know, like a leg lock, you can apply control and apply a finish with a wrist lock. Generally speaking, it's like
1: zero to 60
0: most of the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You have to be willing to break in order to get an effective result out of it. And his approach was, fuck it. They can tap or they can break. <laughs> 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 and and he was breaking people's wrists left and right, and and the wrist locks were also frowned upon. They were also shamed, and they were they were even held in a lower regard than leg locks because leg locks, the guy had to at least survive long enough to get into a leg lock. Where in the wrist lock, it was just like a cheap thing, like was, you know.
1: Was it also people just being mad that they? it had such a high percentage of injury and there there there's no easy way to back out of a wrist lock once right. it's executed you just immediately know oh i'm in a wrist lock. oh my wrist just so broke. i'm a big wrist locker right oh are you <laughs> oh i didn't know that right, right. so that's what Surprise. you've been doing to yeah. all of our right wrists. yeah
0: so like so you know think about it like if if i choke you right you're like, God damn it, like he choked me, not a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. If Claude armbars, you're like, fuck it, I got arm you know, I, I got beaten. If, if somebody ankle locks you, you're like, shit, I left my foot out. But if you touch somebody's collar, and they snap a wrist lock. You're like, motherfucker! I haven't even yeah. started.
1: <laughs> all I did was just lightly caress your gear. Right, right. And That's then, how
0: I roll. I start caressing. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: a different style, but it's weird. Yeah. It,
0: the, it's weird. <laughs> I, I've been trying to break him of the habit, but
1: <laughs> but yeah, that is it. You, you're simply creating a frame, or you're doing something right. that you can't prevent.
0: Right. And then all of a sudden, your wrist is in excruciating pain. Right. And and you know, and the the immediate feeling is not like, oh, I got caught. Oh man, that was a slick submission. It's motherfucker. Like, that's not cool. You know, like that's like the cheap shot. It's like the kick to the nuts, you know?
1: That is, you know, that's a good point. Every time I've been wrist locked, I've never gone,
0: oh, good job, well done. It's always like,
1: ow. Damn Or like, uh, there's that just <laughs> anger, in, the, the instinctual <laughs> anger that comes out, as opposed to any other submission where I'll give you credit. I'll never right. give give you credit for that. Hey, my wrist locks are pretty slick. They, they are, but
0: yeah, it's funny the hierarchy and the snobbery right. Of, right. of different submissions. That yeah, everybody like exist. for for years up until five years ago, until the Dan hair Death Squad came out, right, and they started winning everything with leg locks. Everybody's like, fuck leg locks, they don't work, you know, or they're cheap or you're dirty if you try them. And then those leg lockers are like, fuck wrist locks, they're shitty and dirty.
1: (laughs) Well, and it takes guys like that, like a Danaher, who are so far removed from all the context and the history of, oh, if you practice practicing leg locks, then you must be from this group. You must be poor and these silly things that they go. I no, if you I'm practicing them and I'm beating you right it's up to you now to to get past this right
0: so you know the big boom with like like people are like man leg locks work better than other locks I'm gonna go ahead and rephrase that that's bullshit they don't okay so what happens is jujitsu goes in waves so going through a hundred years of jiu-jitsu because it's roughly a hundred years now right so going through a hundred years of jujitsu the judo guys were like, we're gonna throw somebody so hard to the ground that they're gonna be hurting and then we can apply a submission. Then my grandfather steps in and says, hey, I can't throw people. You guys are too big, too strong, too fast. I will fall, put my guard around you and choke you from guard and I'm gonna win. And then people were like, well, we gotta deal with that. So people became good at passing the close guard. And then holes came along and holes is like, fuck, if they're gonna beat my close guard, I'm gonna open guard, I'm gonna do open guard. And I'm gonna be the first guy to do open guard and use my feet to do other things. And then people are like, well, I gotta beat open guard, right? And then open guard became a very specialty thing. So if they're beating open guard, you can go like spider, lasso, warm, de la jiva, et cetera, To the point where eventually they're like, okay, they're beating my clothes, they're beating my spider, I have to go to half. And then the half guard guys were ahead of the curve. They were beating everybody else by accepting what at the time was an inferior position. And then it became, well, let's just get to side. If we get to side, we can win. And then people became good at escaping side, getting guard back. You look at matches today versus matches in the 70s, the guard retention ability, the ability to regain guard is so much higher now than then because people became good at defending you know Mm -hmm. side mount and then same thing with north and south fuck it I can't keep side mount so I'm gonna go north and south and attack or neon belly that was a split so people became good at neon belly neon belly in the 70s was two attacks it was an iron bar and a kimura there was not much else there and now neon belly is a an entire different position mm-hmm. with a number of different attacks that was highly successful in the 90s. And then you look at like the 2000s, right? Where people start saying, they started reverting, right? It was like, I'm going to be good at lasso guard or warm guard or de la Hiva, like the more advanced spider guards. And I'm going to stop them early because if it gets too far, I can't beat them, right? So they became more specialized. You start seeing... Like now, you see warm guard, squid guard, and all these other guards 50 50. And it's an evolution. We're always looking for the next thing that nobody has thought of yet to take to exploit it. Right. Mm-hmm. And because of the, the taboo built around leg locks, nobody ever cared to exploit that because nobody wanted to deal with being shamed until Darren said, Fuck it, try a leg lock and everybody was caught unaware so for the first 3 3 to 4 years right they were pretty much unstoppable because they were the best leg lockers in the planet and you can still argue that they are but they were so far ahead on their leg lock game that people couldn't couldn't keep up right right it was the the trick the exploit the the thing that nobody you know was hip to but now, if you look now, the leg locks now, they're not as effective with their leg locks now as they were three, four five years ago because people are getting used to them. They're learning the same style that they did. They're learning maybe even from them. Seminars, videos, training with them, cross-training. And now their leg locks aren't as effective. So if you look at, let's say, like Gordon Ryan, who's like the number one nogi grappler on the planet, right? So his first few years, it was nothing but leg locks. So much so people said that's all he's got is leg locks. And at the time, maybe that's all he needed to have. But if you start seeing his career throughout the years, you'll start seeing a bigger increase into rear nakeds, into kimuras, into arm bars, into triangles. Because now his leg lock game was in the disparity between his leg lock game and other people aren't as big, right? Mm-hmm. So then he needs to rely on others, other attacking patterns to... You know to have that edge so at some point somebody's going to have the new thing if you look at it in gi in gi matches like Keenan Cornelius right about five years ago Keenan came up with the the warm guard using the gi and feeding it now he's got like three or four different subsets of the warm guard which gives him an edge on everybody else because they don't know it yet right but at some point in ten years there's going to be a different guard or a different trick that nobody's hip to what will it be? Oh, I, I don't know, wrist locks maybe? In 10
1: years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I don't know. R-
1: wrist haven't really had their moment in the sun, have they, besides besides Fredson in, by show? in 80s, yeah, yeah, no,
0: and, and I think, so, you know. Do you,
1: do you think they could?
0: Yeah, well, I, I, absolutely, I think they could. I mean, I, I'm successful with them. The, the problem with, with wrist locks is, like you said, the control level is so much smaller. So, you have to amp up the intensity to get a successful outcome. And that is hard to teach. It's hard to train. It's hard to roll and apply because, unless you have a certain level of understanding, you either are going to be unsuccessful, you're not applying enough intensity, or you're going to hurt people because you're applying too much intensity. Right. So, it is much, much more difficult. So, no, I don't think wristlocks will ever have, have a big popularity movement. That they do now. I think they'll be more accepted, mm-hmm. but I don't think they'll ever have the big boom. Yeah, the worst thing is to roll with someone who's just started, like who just took a private
1: on wrist locks, right? And then they're just going for, it. <laughs> right? they, they keep going it. for the, all right. I get it. You're working on wrist locks. Now, right. Will you please stop? Almost breaking my wrist and roll with me, right?
0: Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, you know, and 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 the the next big thing that people are going to take advantage of, um, may be something that's already been through. Cause we're so far removed from that. It's Correct. nearly new now. Right. So, you know, lasso in the 2000s was huge. Like early 2000s, 2004 to 10 lasso was like the big new thing. Right. And man, like I'm a, I like lasso a lot too. And I was like, man, this stuff is awesome. It's so cool. And then I remember training with Marcio Stambowski um, and I was, we we're playing chess. Right. So we're at his house where he made like honeydew juice and dude is an incredible chess player. He likes to like, you know, make you believe he's not, but he's really good. So we're playing. It's chess. Like in real life, he likes to make you think that he can't break you and right. kill you, right? But by being does. friendly, but then he comes <laughs> through and does that. Yeah. So we're playing chess, and he puts a videotape on one of his old tournament matches, and there were people in those tournaments in the '70s doing lasso guard. Now, was it as developed then as it is now? No. But they were doing lasso back in the seventies because it worked, <laughs> you know. And then into by two thousand thirty years later, it was so far removed that people weren't aware of it anymore, and that became the new thing. So, hmm. well,
1: let's see. Timer, we're close to an hour. Um, I, I think we covered most of what we want to cover on on these joint locks. <laughs> There's not a whole lot else.
0: That's it. No, no.
1: Just like every topic we'll cover, we're going to talk all about it. And then you guys can be confident there's no more. There's nothing more to explore. So that's it on the matter.
0: Yeah. You don't need to learn anything about joint locks anymore.
1: Yeah. So I need to find ways to end each episode. It's always hard to wrap something up. I need to come up with segments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we need to because you've just you've decided to be selfish and not freestyle or do anything like that and I get it you, you don't want to do it but <laughs> we just need some segments we'll, we'll we'll start to think of ones maybe like a would you rather section or a segment where man, yeah, that's tough uh, start thinking of would you rather <laughs> would you rather let's see here we'll freestyle one would you rather every time you roll with someone and they get into your guard you start to groan uncontrollably like like a pleasure groan. like a moan. Yeah, moan is a better word, yes, uh-huh. Every time someone's in your guard, uh-huh. that or time you get a submission, you shit your pants. You submit someone. Oh so, man, that's tough. So for the rest of your life, when you submit someone, you just know it's it's, coming. it's gonna happen. And then anytime someone gets in your guard, you, you, you can't you can't warn them. So you're um, just
0: moaning, but there's just, nothing happening.
1: Yeah, there's nothing happening there. You just all of a sudden there's this trigger where you just start going, and, and it's very un, it makes it very uncomfortable for you, and the person rolling with
0: you. I might quit jujitsu.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have to choose one. Oh, i have to you choose have one. You have to choose one, otherwise everyone does. Why? Well,
0: I, I guess I'll take the moaning because nobody deserves to shit themselves, <laughs> and I'm at the point where I'd be shitting myself all the time.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. At least I can avoid the guard if I wanted to. Right. That's true. Well, I'm trying to think what I would do.
1: I would... I would go with the defecating myself whenever I submit someone. Why would you do that? It's a great exclamation point to every submission. (coughs) (laughs) Boom. Like this. I'm imagining I'm in mount. I... I position myself for like a the uh, what what's the one where let's say I'm in mount I bring my knee to like the back of their shoulder so I prop their arm up underneath uh-huh. my elbow, uh-huh. um, and then I would get like a kimura almost from that position uh-huh. like a shoulder lock yeah yes I get it they tap and then you just now would it, it drops. Would this
0: be like explosive or it'd be solid it
1: doesn't have to be explosive.
0: It, you know, you can't say it depends on what you're eating. So you'd have to change your diet for this. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you're trying with somebody, you know, and it's explosive, they'll be coming up for air as it's happening. That's true. It's like a double tap. It would it would have to be explosive because
1: it would come out in a burst <laughs> God, of oh energy and solids don't come out <laughs> in bursts what, what, of energy. What are we,
0: <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> that's how you close a show That that's it alright alright all right. <laughs> thanks everyone uh,
1: send in your response on which of those you
0: but, would choose yo so if you guys can do me a favor send us a way to close the show like just any suggestion better than that
1: or it's... would you rather <laughs> we, we oh could do God. those all day <laughs> alright
0: that's it thanks
1: everybody